Thank you, Simon. Um, such an encouraging welcome. Thanks, everyone. Um, so my name's Chloe, as Simon said, and um, I work for St. Aldate's Church. I'm actually Stephen, Stephen, Poster, Stephen Foster's personal assistant. Um, and tonight I will be speaking from um, Romans 8, verses 5 and 6. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So throughout this passage, Paul makes it very clear that there are two choices that we can make in our lives. Two clear paths, two ways of living. We often think that there's a secret third choice or perhaps no choice to be made at all. We can float through our lives day to day just trying our best to be a good person, getting on with things, and that's it. It seems easier and good enough. We can just take a stand back and be passive, not have to, not have to face the ramifications of having to make a life-changing decision or risking regret in our lives. But these verses clearly state that there is a daily choice that we make. The flesh or the spirit. These choices dictate our desires, they dictate our actions, our day-to-day, -day, but God says it's so much more than this. This choice is life or death. When I arrived at university six years ago, I tried my very best to set my mind on the flesh and the spirit. I thought I could choose both paths and walk along them both parallel to one another. To follow everything that the world told me I needed and wanted, and to follow what God said was the best way to live. I went to church, I attended all the student events, I listened to my worship music, and I had great Christian friends. But essentially, I was leading a double life. I went out a lot with my non-Christian friends, which was great, but I drank how they drank, I acted how they acted, and eventually I desired everything that the world said it would give me. But it was all okay, because I was still telling these friends that I was a Christian, so I'm an evangelist too, right? Little did I know, these paths were not parallel in the slightest. In fact, I would describe them now as perpendicular. It was like trying to force two opposite sides of a magnet together. They were aggressively and blatantly repelling each other. I wasn't accepted into the world into my uni friendship groups because there was a part of me that wasn't fully invested in their way of living. They could see something different in me and they hated it. When I chatted to my church friends or my Christian family back at home, they saw a darkness in me. It was a secret that I was hiding and it made me sick to my stomach. I felt absolute turmoil, to be honest. What's more, my life fell apart within one single term. My grades, my health, my habits, every part of my life, internally and externally, was chaos. It didn't take me very long to experience exactly what these verses are referring to and to see where my life was going if I continued to live in this way. So this was mo one moment in my life where God showed me in a very literal sense the messiness of what the world has to offer us. It was black and white to me, and I wanted nothing to do with it anymore, knowing where my life was heading. 
When we set our minds on the flesh or the spirit, we're not just following them. He says we are governed by them. Each day, whether we like it or not, we are handing over the authority for sin or for spirit to rule over our lives. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Peace is something incredibly rare to experience in the world that we live in. Life is loud, it's demanding, and it puts a huge strain on our mental and emotional health. Only by his spirit can we experience true peace. I can honestly say this was the best decision I ever made, to turn around and choose the other path, to set my mind on the spirit and to live in accordance with him. So when setting our minds on the spirit is more appealing, it's easier, and it's what we're naturally drawn to, then how are we supposed to resist and to choose the road that leads to life? Well, this chapter in Romans beautifully incorporates the characteristics of the Trinity and how they give us everything we need to set our minds on the spirit and to live life in his fullness. The whole passage has a really clear focus on the Holy Spirit mentioning him many times. This is the spirit who lives in us. The spirit who gives us strength and power, his guidance and wisdom, and he leads us on this path that leads to life. The role of the spirit is that he points us to Jesus. God sent his son to show us how to live, to demonstrate how to face the day-to-day trials and challenges, and to demonstrate how to invite the Spirit into every area of our lives. He walked on this earth and he suffered as a human. He can empathize with us. He relates to us. The all-powerful God chose to walk among us as a man and be the perfect example for us to follow. But we're not Jesus. Even with all of that, we fail every day. We don't always call on the Spirit to help us, and we don't always live the way that Christ showed us to live in all those stories that we read about him. But Jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead, so all we need to do is to choose him, and we can still live for eternity with him. Paul begins Romans 8 with verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This means when we inevitably fall off that path that leads to life, he forgives us. He helps us get back on and we can try again and again and again. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we have full access to the Father. We can also follow Jesus' example of sonship. He has allowed us to have a relationship with the Father by the Spirit, which means our minds can be governed by the Spirit. In verse 15, Paul tells us we are adopted into sonship. He calls us his children, and we cry, Abba, Father. This verse became very real to me on what was otherwise a fairly standard night out in my first term of uni. I wasn't in my right mind. I'd had far too much to drink. I probably couldn't have told you who I was dancing with or even which club I was in, to be honest. There's no doubt that my mind was fully set on the flesh and its desires. But God spoke to me with such perfect clarity that evening. 
He gave me a picture of my dad watching me in that very moment. I thought I'd look up and I'd see his face and I'd see judgment and I'd see disappointment and I would feel condemned and I would feel ashamed. But when I looked up, I just saw sadness. I saw a hurting father who loved his daughter and just wanted a better life for her. My view of God as my father was completely transformed in that moment. It wasn't a telling off for the way I was living my life that drew my eyes back to him. It wasn't fear or guilt, but his overwhelming love and a realization that he is my heavenly dad. He is my father. He doesn't want to spoil our fun. He doesn't want to just criticize us and catch us out. He's given us his Holy Spirit as a gift to give us life, to give us peace, to show us how to live the fulfilling and beautiful life that he has designed for us. The more we spend time with him, get to know him, know who he is and what he stands for, the more we can trust in him and want to please him. How can we choose to give our lives over to someone that we don't know or trust? I want to encourage you to devote your life to getting to know God. Understanding the level of grace that we receive from him brings us a freedom that the world can't offer us. This road that leads to death makes us a slave to sin. It holds us captive. But God calls us sons and daughters, and we're never not welcome in his home.